Hi, everybody. So this is really exciting. We are here to talk about our latest episode of His Picks, Her Picks, uh, where we each we pick a genre and then we each pick a film from that genre that the other has not seen. And then we talk about both films and it's a lot of fun. And uh, my friend Richard is here again to uh, to talk about superhero movies. Hello. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is gonna be fun. We had to kind of dig pretty deep because most of us have seen we we have seen most of the superhero movies out there. I think mm-hmm. so. Uh, this is a lot of fun. So we're gonna talk today about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990 and Hellboy. Uh, so uh, that will be a lot of fun. Uh, so let's start with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So the basic story behind this is it's your kind of your origin story, sort of, but it starts out with April O'Neil uh, as a reporter, and she is reporting on uh, kind of gang activity and crime in the city, and there is this gang called the Foot Clan, and she ends up getting saved in doing while doing her reporting by these mysterious figures. It turns out to be these uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Raphael, Michelangelo, Donatello, Leonardo. And uh, they have, of course, their, their leader and sort of father figure of Splinter. And uh, the Shredder uh, is, has a, a backstory to that, that uh, coincides with Splinter that we find out about, and he now is sort of the head of this gang called the Foot Clan. And the Ninja Turtles, along with April, as she continues to investigate, uh, start to look more into Shredder, look more into this gang. There's also this boy named Danny, who is the son of April's boss, basically, that gets kind of involved in the Foot Clan. And uh, so... That's kind of your your basic story uh, as they try to sort of break up this this clan, look into this clan. Uh, of course, Shredder doesn't like that that they're doing that, uh, and yeah. So, uh, what was your overall? Oh, there's also Casey Jones too, who mm-hmm. is sort of a uh, he vigilante. Vigilante. That's what I was, that's what I was going to say, uh, and he. So he kind of becomes involved uh, and involved with April. And so uh, what were your overall thoughts on watching uh, this film for the first time? Oh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I was a huge fan of the cartoon when I was younger, but I, uh, I somehow never managed to watch the uh, the live action version. And it, it, it was just like, but it, it just had a lot of what I enjoyed about the show, the, the humor and the, uh, the, and the action as well. And I really enjoyed the, uh, the characters are turtle themselves and the people around them. That was really great. Yeah, me too. I really enjoy it too. It does have that sort of fun light moments that you got in the TV show. But then I also think it has some interesting things to sort of say about uh, cults of personality and, and the attraction of gangs and sort of creating yeah. the way that Shredder, we'll talk more about it, is able to create this sort of family kind of system uh, and this feel for these boys. Uh, is is I think interesting, and uh, I, I also appreciate the fact that it's an origin story without being annoying. You know, like they they I feel like they work that in 
the origins uh, yeah. very seamlessly, and it, it just doesn't feel like this is an origin story. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do agree. I mean, when they do actually, I think it's quite a, like twenty twenty minutes or so in when they actually explain the origin. It goes by very quickly then. Yeah. And whereas at that point we've, we've already seen the turtles for a while. I do. Yeah. I do really like that how you actually see them quite quite early on instead of just kind of lurking in the shadows all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that this new Spider-Man will kind of do the same thing, that it will, like, it'll be a sort of a reboot, but, you know, and we'll maybe talk a little bit about that, but but, but just, he's just Spider-Man. You know, it's yeah. the same thing here. It's like, they're just Ninja Turtles from the beginning, and you yeah. don't see them, like, it doesn't start with them as, like, normal teenagers and, and then them getting transformed and you know you don't go through all of that like we've seen so many superhero movies where where there is that transformation i guess from ordinary yeah. to superhero and whatever and so yeah i agree i think that that's really nice and i think that they managed to do the kind of damsel in distress i guess if you could call April that, uh, pretty well, I think. I, I think that, you know, she is an empowered enough character, but they definitely do have to rescue her. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like they, or a lot of other series, really either make the woman super shrill, super annoying, uh, <laughs> uh, like a Vicky Vale type, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of, yeah. Um or they they make her very weak and uh, wimpy and you know just kind of hard to relate to. So I I feel like it's pretty good here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I mean in some ways, April didn't really stand out that much as a character. I felt, but she um, but she definitely wasn't a a, a, a kind of typical damsel in distress in an annoying sense. She was um, a, I felt she was a, a she actually played a a good enough role in the story and actually being able to help the turtles without uh, having to to fight alongside them in the in quite the same way because obviously she's not quite as physically capable as they are right. with their ninja skills and yet she does help a lot with her, her investigating and uh, and giving them a place to stay when they have to leave the sewers. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, she's... She, so she does play a, a a good role in the story in that regard. Right, and she's not uh, just there to sort of be the girlfriend or the or the sort of the the sexual character kind of of uh, the of the movie like you get with uh, a lot of other superhero movies and certainly yeah. with the recent Ninja Turtles no, not uh, like reboot and no. <laughs> not making <Yeah>. Fox <laughs> and so yeah I think that's really true I I agree I I just enjoy it I think that it's you know it's only ninety three minutes so it doesn't sort of outweigh I'll say it's welcome uh, it's uh, it's a, I think it holds up pretty pretty darn well. Yeah, definitely, even if it was made in 1990, and yeah, it's still it's still very enjoyable right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So okay, let me get my questions up real quick. Uh, so uh, does does the movie do a good job making the the boys the turtles unique? Okay. So whereas the bottom in the movie, uh, Donatello and Michelangelo were a little bit interchangeable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Don, Donatello is supposed to be the, the kind of intellectual one. We only get like little hints of that. Where yeah. Where you try to decide, decide what to say at the beginning, like Bossa Nova, I think he goes. 
That's they, true. They just think to the level going radical. And, uh, he, and yeah, they just seem to be kind of the more, uh, the more fun learning ones, whereas Leonardo's kind of more, he, the kind of, stick kind of the more lead, leader and, uh, and Raphael's the more aggressive one. Right. Um, yeah. And Michelangelo's sort of the silly one, like, hey, dude, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right about Donatello. He's not that well developed. No. That's true. Uh, the the I do yeah I think the other three are, are yeah. more and Raphael is always sort of the most dynamic I think of any of the turtles yeah because he's the one that sort of feels the pressure of yeah. being a hero I think the most out of any yeah. of them yeah I think he kind of gets in a way a little bit more focused than uh, even Leonardo does because he gets this scene early on with Splinter talking about his anger mm. and uh, he. And a lot of the time you're watching him, like he's the one who reacts when they see that uh, Splinter is gone. Right. And, and then he has that fallout and he gets attacked on the roof and I think, and I think gets knocked unconscious. So I feel he's actually getting a lot of the focus, even though Leonardo's supposed to be the leader. That's true. Well, and he's the one that's sort of misunderstood. He's the one that has conflict with yeah. Leonardo. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that makes him probably the most interesting of any of the of the characters. Yeah. He has a, you know, nice moment with Splinter in there, you know, dealing with his anger, his frustration. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's true. Yeah. Well, he's the one who generates the, the, the conf, the conflict within the, the four of them. Yeah. Of others. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think Michael Andrews is just kind of there to be the comic relief of yeah. the, of the, of the group. Uh, yeah. But that's that's a good point about Donatello. Yeah. Um. So, what do you think of the puppetry? I, I really like that as well. There's, I, mean, it's, I, I like it a lot better than the the CGI in the reboot. Agreed. But it's just, it just, it both it does, it looks more appealing. It, it, they kind of look a bit more. They they look a bit cartoonish, but that fits the uh, the overall sense of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it it, it feels more like. I mean, it sounds weird to say you relate to Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That sounds crazy, but it it, it does make them feel a little more relatable than these huge droided out. Uh, I don't know characters that are harder for me to relate to that kind of uh, character versus a more sort of ordinary <laughs> design, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and it just—it's so seamless. It's amazing how they were able to do that with the action mm. and with everything else. I—I I definitely prefer much to the the CGI because yeah. that just—you can do anything with a computer, and so it's just not as compelling. It's not as exciting. Yeah, it's just taken for granted these days. Anyway, this is this is more unique. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's definitely way more unique. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like you get more sort of their individual personalities a little bit more when yeah. you actually have humans playing the roles. Yeah, they they kind of more genuine movement, even though it's within these these suits. Agreed. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I mean, considering it was made in 1990, which is a long time ago, I, I think that it, it it still holds up. Whereas if you were to take I guarantee you in nearly 30 years late 30 years uh we'll they'll look back at those uh, those CGI Ninja Turtles movies and they won't look very good. Yeah. You know, there's something about CGI that no matter how well it's done ages very very quickly. It just yeah. because they keep improving it because they keep making it better and 
So unless you have a great story, like say Toy Story or something like that, then it, it just doesn't, it's not timeless. Whereas I feel yeah. like this is way more timeless. Yeah. Cause Toy Story itself does look, it looks quite dated now, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. But, I mean, with puppets, there's only, I suppose there's only so far you can go when mm-hmm. something that actually exists in the real world. Whereas computer, computer generated imagery, you can just keep upgrading it until it, until it reaches a point where it's indistinguishable from reality. Right. If you can and ever reach that point. We get closer and closer all the time. I mean, yeah. now they're, we've already gotten where they're frequently, uh, de-aging people. I mean, it still doesn't look that great, but it's, yeah. we're on, we're on that path <laughs> already. Yeah, we've had the, the faces from Rogue One as well, bringing back Peter Cushing and the yeah. younger Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, that'll only continue to improve. And, uh, so it's, it's an interesting thing, but yeah, there's definitely something sort of timeless about, about the puppets. And, uh, and I, I just think it's amazing how there's, how seamless they're able to make that, that action. You think the action would be kind of jerky and wouldn't flow very well uh, with puppets, but to me it flows very well. Yeah. The action was, the action was very good. I felt it was, I mean, sometimes it seemed to get a bit repetitive with the big crowds of ninjas, but yeah. uh, I did, I did like it for the most part. Well, and one thing I liked too about this is that, is that it, there actually feels like a martial arts film, like as yeah. far as the action. Whereas in the reboot, it, it just felt like it, there was hardly any actual ninjaing. Hmm. There was hardly any fighting in the most recent one. Uh, they, uh, they spent most of the time in vehicles of some kind. Hmm. Uh, and you could even make that kind of complaint about the recent Power Rangers movie that they're like, whereas I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the film, but the, the original show had a lot of more uh, ninja kind of fighting type thing. As whereas, in Power yeah. In Power Rangers. Whereas yeah. in this recent one, it's a lot of times they're in these, in these box yeah. uh, and they're not like fighting, you yeah. know? And so I enjoy this. Each other in that. Yeah, I enjoy the 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 fighting. I I think it's fun. Yeah, you know, so I kind of thought that um the the fight scene in between Raphael and Casey Jones, mm. you know, it's, it's kind of really a slow affair where they just had these few a few different blows to each other with, with different weapons that Casey's using. You don't see fight scenes like that anymore. It's all very fast paced. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like you don't get the idea that the person, the people are really sort of thinking about what they're doing and how they're going to, you know, how they're going to respond, which is an important part of actual martial arts. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at the old sort of Kung Fu movies and stuff like that, then that's totally there. So that's a good point. Uh, so what did you think of April? We talked a little bit about it, but of April and Casey. Yeah. Like I said, I did like April, April for the most part. She didn't eat. She didn't really stand out in some ways. She was a bit, she was a little bit generic sometimes, but she did play a, a good role in the film. Mm-hmm. A very likable character. And uh, Casey Jones, I, I did like it as well. Though I didn't really, we didn't really get that much about what was motivating him. We just like, I mean, when we first see him, he's already become this vigilante with his hockey mask trying to beat up the criminals that he finds. And then later on, we see him with a, I think a police radio listening out for crime. But we don't really, we don't really hear about why he's actually doing that. Yeah, that's true. I do think that that he and a- April have pretty good chemistry. For how yeah. little that they're on screen together, I think it's pretty pretty good. I, I buy them as a couple, and and I like the way that that's sort of handled. It's not too 
too much, you know, it never distracts from the main story, but I did feel like they just had a natural chemistry together, which I liked. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit, uh, Han Solo, Princess Leia, with this kind of ruffian guy and this more, this more, this more refined woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I feel like that April is a character who is, like I said, I think she's a really good example of damsel in distress done well, but she's also a strong, she's a strong woman in the sense of in the nineties, the kind of characters that you typically had, uh, sort of this working, working woman, kind of professional woman of that, of, that would be, was so typical of, uh, of movies of night around 1990. But I feel like she's not, she's not really preachy. She's not, uh, telling people kind of how to live or, you know, that kind of a thing. Like she seems like a believable person that yeah. I can imagine actually existing. Yeah. I mean, I knew she was basically just telling it like it is, isn't she? Yeah. Because I don't know, 1990, you had a lot of characters sort of like Claire Huxable from the Cosby show, you know, like that Claire was, Claire was the, the perfect mother. She, but she had, she was also an attorney to so kind of do it all and be this sort of career woman. And that you saw that in a lot of sort of films and uh, and TV at that time, uh, this idea. And so, anyway, I, I think I think she she's good. I like her. A lot of people I've heard I've read online is really critical of the that she's not attractive enough. But I thought she was attractive enough. Like I don't think everyone needs to be some va va voom kind of attractive for a superhero movie. No, no, hey, no, she's a. No, no, she's um. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was gonna say I'm not, I'm not that bothered by her, by her appearance, but she's certainly, she's certainly not ugly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, okay. Uh, so Shredder is a cult gang leader of the Foot Clan, and uh, that makes kids feel like they are family. What did you think of that? I, I think it was a. Uh, I was quite impressed by that. I mean, it kind of feels a bit more relevant in this day and age with the, with like terrorism and uh, radicalization, how young right. people tend to be radicalized. They get taken into these, these communities that when they're feeling quite isolated and vulnerable and these, these communities give them a, a sense of belonging and they're able to shape their thoughts in that way. Yeah, I do too. That's my favorite part of this film yeah. is, is this idea of sort of the way that these cult of personalities are able to be created and the way, the way that Shredder is able to sort of promise these, these kids things without ever really having to do anything, yeah. you know, these sort of vague promises about family and about, uh, uh, about loyalty and stuff like that. And I think as a, a modern example, one of the things I liked about uh, the dark Knight rises was I felt like Bane was sort of similar to that. In, in sort of promising people to be that he's going to protect them and he's going to take care of them and and uh, you know sort of creating this this uh, yeah. cult of personality around him, which I yeah. kind of thought was interesting. Yeah, kind of telling them what they want to hear. Yeah, giving this set this sense of liberalization when they're just creating chaos. Right, yeah. and I, I'm going to take care of you. the The people that the other people are the bad ones because they're they're wanting to break up. They're wanting to to make things to break up this family to break yeah. up. They're wanting to take away this protection, this safety, this whatever. 
yeah. is, is, is kind of how they're able to get you to not only join with them, but also hate the yeah. other side. Yeah. And that's how, and that's how they keep you in this, in, in this circle where you are, uh, where you can't really be reasoned with, or it's more right. difficult to reason with you. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they give you just enough kind of, kind of, of sweets to, to sort of draw you in and tantalize you mm-hmm. without really giving you any real like substance or any, you know, yeah. it's an interesting, very, very interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's a very, I think it's effective here. I, I, I feel mm-hmm. like it makes sense that people, that these teens would be loyal to Shredder, that he would be uh, somebody who would be enticing yeah. to these kids. I was kind of struck that uh, Shredder's not really in the film all that much. It's mostly just his uh, his henchmen or the or the kids that he's using. He de- he doesn't really have that much screen time himself. Yeah, I mean, the movies for some reason have had a really hard time capturing Shredder. I'm not sure why. Uh, so, but at least here we get a little bit of his backstory and hmm. and who he is and and his relationship to Sh- to Splinter, uh, which is kind of interesting and. Uh, yeah, a lot of it is it is true that it's more sort of we see the boys kind of reacting to things he says and the boys kind of, it's more is is often more the foot clan uh, that yeah. is fighting versus shredder yeah. that is that is fighting that's true. Yeah. I was going to say when you brought up splinter I was going to I, I was going to see if I could mention it earlier but I kind of um, I can't pre- I can't was a bit unsure about how the origin story works in this film where splinter is a rat who learns ninjutsu from from watching his master, I, mean, I, know, I know the whole the whole concept is a little bit ridiculous, but I kind of prefer the uh, the origin story in the cartoon where Splinter actually was originally a human, a ninja who became rat-like, because I, I feel it's more it's easier to buy in that way that he that he had he had ninja skills and was able to pass them on to the turtles. I can see that. I can see that. I think they're just trying. Yeah, I can see him being also being a human. Uh, that's true. I forgot that in the series. But uh, but yeah, I think they were just trying to explain that that Shredder was the sort of the foe of Splinter's master and leader, and uh, and so that's where there's this sort of animosity between between the two. And I don't know, maybe you didn't really even need that because he's a gang leader. Why do you need more animosity? Yeah. But I don't know. I thought it. Yeah kind of worked. I mean, like I said, it's a character that's just not been done that well, I don't think, but this was this is probably the best, not probably, this is the best that mm. we've gotten, except for maybe the TV show. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's fair. He, uh, yeah, he does certainly make the most of what screen time he has. Mm-hmm. At it. least they don't, like in um, the reboot, one of the things that annoyed me is Splinter is is abducted he's taken away and then the movie forgets about him for a long time and it's like i think that they would be more worried more worried about him and more worried about what's going on uh so that kind of annoyed me in the reboot uh <laughs> i feel like he's actually a little bit of a fleshed out character here and he's not yeah. just completely forgot about yeah i mean he's, he's still got a presence even when he's been taken away you see him and and the turtles are, are often thinking about him. Yeah, and I can be with him at one point. And at least here too, like he is a ninja master. Like he's really great at what he 
he does as opposed to just sort of being like a yoga instructor, <laughs> mm-hmm. giving out, you know, deep sayings or whatever. I like that he does actually fight a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So is Danny a good character or is he annoying? I thought it was a bit of a lot by considering I am. Um, I didn't quite, um, I, I, was, I wasn't quite sure about uh, the fact that he didn't, that he was so estranged from his father. They would go and join this, this gang that Shredder was running. Mm-hmm. Because he, because I was thinking the, the boys, the other boys would be like people who didn't really have any parents at all. And, oh, oh, and, um, and so he, and so at least Danny actually had a father who did have some kind of interaction with him. But, um, I did like the kind of arc that he went through in the mm-hmm. film where he kind of, where he kind of realizes the error of his ways quite gradually and yeah. is able to, uh, to try and redeem himself. He doesn't annoy me too much. He seems like a classic 80s kind of disgruntled latchkey kid kind of a thing. You know, like mm. I feel like you've seen this in a million movies, this sort of kid. Yeah. And so it, it it didn't really bother me too much, but I can see how other people might find him annoying. I get that, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, he didn't bother me too yeah, much. I wasn't, I wasn't actively annoyed by him. I just, um, he, he, I just had a little bit of difficulty grasping why he was why he felt so strongly about his, his dad that he was willing to go along with a shredder. Right. Yeah, they, they could build that up a little bit better for sure. I mean, yeah. the dad is just kind of the the, the mean boss kind yeah. of a character. He's not really built up that much, so. No. Um, no it's, it's quite a short movie, so they, they don't have that much time with it. Yeah, exactly. So let's see. what What do you think about this movie – we talked about some of the things, but is there anything else that you think this movie gets right that the other versions, yeah, the, even the sequels to this film, uh, that they have not been able to sort of recapture? Yeah. Well, I think the only other versions I've seen apart from the cartoon are the, uh, the two, the two the reboot. recent reboots, yeah. the, uh, the 2014 one and its sequel. And I think, what in, I think there are a few different ways in which this is better than those. There's the, the special effects are more timeless with the puppets right. in action, whereas all the CGI and the, and the over the top, Michael Bay explosions, right. the other one. and he, he does, he, the turtles don't look as good. Right. And, he, and I feel this film is able to apply more to, to all ages, whereas he, whereas the other the other films are a little bit more confused. I mean, you get like Michelangelo making these these weird comments about April, about like how his shell is tightening. But, mm. Yes, I mean, I think I think in this, I mean, in this version, he shows a bit of attraction to April, but it's kind of more in a, a childish way. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I just think the biggest difference is that this one actually has like actual martial arts fighting, like we talked about. Yeah. It's actually like more fun. I think it, it's yeah. the other ones. I think could get kind of boring. Yeah. And this is just more exciting. I think. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest difference, and also the CGI, like you said. Yeah, I didn't actually mind when I saw the sequel to the the Art of the Shadows. Way I didn't mind it all that much. I liked it better than the first one because the yeah. first one was kind of making it more focused on April than the turtles, and her and feeling the need to link the um, the turtles' backstory to April, yeah. which I didn't feel was necessary. Yeah, the, I agree with you. I did like the new one better than the than the first one of the reboot, but it's one that. I, I I do appreciate the fact that they made a, tried to make a comic book movie for kids, which I just feel like none of them are made for kids anymore. Uh, but I mean, but there is that kind of off color humor, like you mentioned. But I don't know. I just felt like it was more kid friendly, at least. Uh, yeah. But 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's certainly not as good as this, at least <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. So uh, okay, I just have one more question. So, do you think that this is too violent or and or dark for kids? And because at the time it was kind of heavily criticized for being too violent for kids, uh, the Roger Ebert was pretty critical of it. Uh, other other parental groups and other things like that criticized it. Uh, and uh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't think it is too dark or violent. I mean, I'm speaking from a modern perspective, but um, I don't think there's any. I think the most most blood I can recall is like Splinter looks a little bit bloody after he's been, or he's been shoved, pushed around by the Foot Clan. And uh, I think the greatest he goes with the swearing is Raphael shouting damn a lot. Mm. But, but I, really don't, I really don't think it's too dark for, for children. I've seen a lot worse. Yeah, I think so too. That's how I feel. And and I I don't know. I, I just don't think kids are that, that fragile, you know, that maybe some kids... You, you wouldn't want them, but I think most kids these days at least can, uh, can handle it. And there's one interesting thing that at the time it was, it was criticized for, uh, the yellow peril aspects of the film. There's one quote who said the story's villainous types are Asian and the film portrays the yellow peril aspects of this to the hilt. And it, it's just sort of interesting because, I think sometimes these superhero movies can't win. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like if they're, if they're, if they do a character like in Dr. Strange where they don't make them diverse, like Tilda Swinton uh, with the, the playing the master, then they get criticized for whitewashing and that yeah. they're terrible. But if they put in a Asian character, then they're criticized for embracing stereotypes and uh, things like that. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Well, yeah, I feel it is a bit. I feel it is a bit over the top because you know the. Um, I mean, a bit in. I mean, Shredder we know is is originally from Japan, and uh, martial arts is traditionally associated with uh, Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. So, so it would so it would be most believable that the the Foot Clan would be would hail from that kind of culture, and uh, and it's, it kind of reminds me of um, the criticism of Iron Fist, where some people were a bit annoyed because the main character is white and he. Uh, and he does martial arts really well. And I felt they felt that was a bit mighty whitey, even though that's how it is in the comics. Right. That he, that he was he was originally this Western white white male who who was who came to who came to this Asian community and learned martial arts there. Yeah, and I I think that this movie shows a lot of I think respect for ninja and for. Yeah martial arts in japan and there's never anything i think that's like sort of insulting yeah. or oh, criticizing yeah. uh you know I, I so i i don't think that's founded uh at least certainly doesn't bother me that's for sure yeah. i i would think that somebody that is uh, of japanese descent uh, could have a lot of fun with this enjoy like a movie that actually has a little little bit of diversity at least yeah, so yeah. Uh, I, I I I don't think that's a problem. So uh, he, he did have <laughs> the Roger Ebert. He said it, it, the film is nowhere near as bad as it might have been. <laughs> so high praise there from in, from Roger. But, like uh, titles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that's sort of my thoughts on the movie. Like, if you were to give it like a one to ten, what rating? What grade would you give it? I think I'd give it a nine. 
Yeah. I, I, I thought it was really great. Yeah, I agree. I really, really enjoy it too. So cool. All right. So uh, let's talk about Hellboy. Okay. So shall I give the uh, the summary then? Yeah, please. Okay. Well, uh, for Hell- so Hellboy starts off in um in a, this island in Scotland during World War Two, where um this doctor there played by John Hurt. Uh, well, he's not played by John Hurt then, but he, uh, he basically finds this uh, the Nazis are planning to uh, open a portal to what is basically hell with uh, with Rasputin helping them, and they manage to stop them opening this portal. But a baby demon comes through, and so the doctor takes this demon and. Uh, and raises him, becomes his father, and he grows up to become Hellboy, who works for this, uh, this, uh, this paranormal department who, uh, which investigates and, and tackles paranormal threats. So Hellboy works there, and uh, his, his professor father and this, uh, this new agent called Myers is brought in. There's also this, um, this amphibian called Abe Sapien, this, uh, this woman called Liz, who's a fire starter. And then Rasputin resurfaces and starts... Um, and starts creating these hellhounds that wreak a bit of havoc, and uh, start, he comes up with this plan to use Hellboy to unlock this gate back to hell, which will allow these uh, these these evil gods to come through and destroy the world. And Hellboy eventually comes down to this uh, this battle in Russia, where Hellboy manages to resist, and Rasputin is killed, and the the gods are stopped from coming through. And this the, there is this one god is created, but Hellboy defeats it, and uh, and he gets together with with Liz, and they, the movie ends there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good summary. Yeah. So, uh, so how did you find it? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I, I guess I, I assumed when I, I hadn't seen it because I thought that oh, it's Hellboy. It must be a pretty, uh, ra- like raunchy movie or something. I thought it was like more adult than it was <laughs> because of the name and. I mean, I, I never really, I thought, assumed it was rated R. I didn't even think it was PG-13. So, I don't know, I just had these, these wrong assumptions about it, which had stopped me from seeing it. And I, I liked how it was kind of this mashup of sort of a monster movie with a hero movie, too. And, and hmm. I, I, I thought that, I liked that it, it, it wasn't your typical, I don't know, bad man in a suit kind of storyline that you get in so many superhero movies these days and uh, with a sort of villain reveal and, and all of that, uh, that it, it, I don't know. I, I kind of, and I liked Hellboy as a character. I thought that he was, uh, I thought Ron Perlman was really good in yeah. the role and, uh, it made it sort of engaging and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think it's a little bit, uh, I found it a little bit average as a uh, superhero movies go. Mm-hmm. Is that he- I mean, in, in the story, wasn't it really anything spectacular? And the uh, the, the villains weren't that great. But I, I, like I said, I did I did really enjoy Hellboy as a protagonist. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the dynamics he has for the characters, and uh, so yeah, it's, it's certainly a, an entertaining film. It's not like my favorite movie ever, but I just um, thought it was sort of refreshing. It was something yeah. different. Oh, uh, definitely, yeah. What kind of struck me is um, it it always seems like a. If you get, uh, bring some kind of like a heaven and hell aspect into it, and the he, the heroes always seem to come from hell. I mean, they got Hellboy, and uh, there's also Spawn, and uh, Marvel has Ghost Rider, and they uh, and they all seem to come from hell. I can't think of any heroes that come from heaven. Hmm. Maybe it's because uh, as people like the idea of the 
the bad guy who, who, who turns good. Interesting. Yeah. I, wow. That seems crazy. It seems like there would be yeah. uh, somebody from heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's somebody I don't know about. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not the biggest expert on on these characters, but uh, but yeah, that is kind of interesting. I I, I wouldn't have thought of that with Ghost Rider and, uh, and Spawn. You said, yeah, Spawn, huh? Interesting. Have you seen Have you seen the film with Spawn? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, there was a, there was I've never cartoon. seen Ghost Rider either. No, he was he was recently in the latest series of Agents of Shield, Ghost Rider. I heard that. I heard yeah. that that was much better than the movie. Yeah, he was. Yeah, there was a, it was a different character from the one Nicolas Cage played because there's more than one person who's being Ghost Rider. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I guess they were able to sort of redeem that character a little bit. But yeah, but yeah huh, that's interesting. I wonder yeah. why. I mean, there is something, I think, appealing about sort of the, yeah, the bad guy that becomes good. There's sort of more. A lot of people think that characters that are good are inherently boring but I, I don't think that's true. I think that that's, that's just poor writing. Like a lot yeah. of, that's a criticism you commonly get of Superman. Yeah. Is that Superman is boring because he's so good. And, and so they go out of their way to make him depressed and dark and gritty and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but in, in, uh, and then that's, you know, in Batman v Superman, you get a lot of language about how Superman is basically God. And, uh, but in reality, it's just because that the movie doesn't really use his goodness effectively. Yeah. It doesn't use it to create conflict because if you have a character that is inherently good, you have to have him challenged by things so that he has to decide what is good. And yeah. that, that's what makes him interesting. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, this, this is obviously very different with Hellboy where it's a character who's kind of, He's kind of a shy character, which is, is sort of unexpected, I think. Yeah. He's sort he's of awkward. Kind of, yeah. Well, he's been raised away from humanity, so he just uh, he doesn't, he doesn't quite know how to interact with people, so he needs this kind of liaison. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that. I thought that yeah. uh, he he wasn't, like, big and looming and scary or any of these things. I, I guess I just – I had – a totally wrong idea from the posters and from other things of what this was going to be like. And then yeah. I watched it and it was just really different. And so I yeah, don't know. He does look very shadowy and intimidating on the posters, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's, he's definitely more sort of awkward and shy and yeah. reserved, yes. quiet. Yeah. He is, he is a bit gruff as well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. he, I kind of like his, uh, his attitude a lot when, when he hears there's a monster fan door, he's just like, well, let me go in and say hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think Abra, Abra one point refers to the whole lonely hero thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like he wants to be sort of accepted a little bit more, but yeah. you know, so he's not like an angsty character. He just, he's just kind of shy, I think. Yeah. 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 They do actually go into that a bit more in the sequel where, uh, he does actually get exposed to the world and he still gets treated like a freak by a lot of people. Mm. He does find it quite hard to be accepted. Yeah. And even in, even in this story, I think when he's on the, uh, I think he's on the subway at one point and the, the guy is kind of smashing him in the head, even though Hellboy's trying to help him. And why did they saw off his horns? They just were trying to make him look more normal or? Yeah. He said, I think they say that he's, uh, he's trying to look more normal that way. Yeah, so that must have been traumatic. 
Yeah. I would think. Yeah. Maybe if you just kept finding them when at an early stage when they were growing. I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah. It was that he, the makeup on Ron Perlman was really good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I mean, good. I mean, some of the CGI in this film is a bit dated, but, uh, he, he, but his makeup was great. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it just had this sort of old school kind of monster movie feel to it, which I really appreciated. Like most of the, most of the fight scenes were against monsters. They weren't against villains. And, uh, and I thought that was fun. Yeah. Enjoyed that. Yeah. And the fact that you have this collection of monsters. Yeah. You got Abe and you got Liz the, Liz the pyrokinetic and Hellboy himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean the see the sequel bring a sequel again. The sequel has this guy called Johan Kraus, who is actually a a ghost who has to walk around inside a suit, and so he looks like kind of an old fashioned mm. diver. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. I'll just I'll have to watch that because I I did like this. So yeah, yeah I did. He, yeah, I did. Um, he, I did find the uh, the second one a bit more memorable than the first one. Hmm. It, it, it's a, it, they kind of on similar level levels, but I did like the uh, I did like the the second one slightly more. I've heard that from a lot of people, so I'll have to watch the second one. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. So we talked a little bit about Hellboy, which is going to be our first question. So next question would have been: Do you like the the mythology behind the movie? Do you think you could have used a bit more explanation? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't. Th- I think you got enough that you understood what was going on and. And I think it, it 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 had the perfect amount of exposition. I didn't need any more, personally. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of get this sense that there are that there are just monsters. There are various different kinds of monsters all over the place, and they give you a little bit of history about how Hitler actually died in 1958 after becoming this kind of this kind of a cult, old figure with lots of lots of artifacts. I um, guess the only thing I wondered about a couple times is like he's very out there and people see him like there's that circus or carnival or whatever it is uh that's that they all see him he's on he he's on the top of that bus uh there's you know so there's quite a bit of it so in this world do do like normal humans know about hellboy or is it like how are they able to keep all this secret i know i can't think that because it it creates the impression that it is supposed to be completely hidden that the 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 public aren't supposed to know about it. Because it's not like he be explaining it away. Yeah, it's not like he has one of those, uh, you know, Men in Black <laughs> yeah. uh, wands things, memory yeah. forgetters. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did sometimes get kind of Men in Black vibes from it. But yeah. uh, but no, it, it did seem slightly unbelievable. But they, but like I say, in the sequel, he does he does get properly exposed. Oh, so they kind yeah. of, so kind of forget about all that. So I guess if there had been like just a moment where they kind of explained how they're able to uh, get away with all that, maybe that would have been nice. But I, I didn't need any more. Personally, no. I didn't need any more exposition no. in the movie. No, it's got it's enough that you can uh, you can kind of accept the world that they live in. Yeah, and you can kind of figure things out uh, for for yourself. You know, as it kind of goes along, you don't need to kind yeah. of be told about everything that happens or how yeah. he got. Uh, the way that he is, I don't know, because because like the that's another advantage of having the villains be so simple, just monsters, mm-hmm. yeah. is that you don't need a lot of exposition about them either. So yeah. it's just sort of uh, the yeah. uh, uh, the it's just for Hellboy fighting these these monsters. Hmm. Okay, 
So, uh, so next question, what did you think of the, the side characters like Liz and Abe and, and Myers? I, I thought they were all okay. They're all fine. Uh, and they're, they're not, they're not super well developed. Uh, oh. and I, I didn't necessarily think there was all that great of chemistry between Liz and Hellboy. Uh, and I don't know. Sometimes the, uh, what's, what's his name? The, um, uh, let's see. Um, Myers. Yeah. Sometimes Myers, I thought was sort of the male equivalent of the damsel in distress, hmm. you know, kind of screaming and, and uh, yeah. needing to be rescued and yeah. sort of things like that. Uh, so he, he made me. He kind of felt a bit of an, an audience surrogate. He's the, the new guy who's been brought into this world and has to learn all about it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, so I, I didn't hate him, but I, I didn't like love any of these side characters. Uh, it was really more uh, Hellboy that yeah. I liked. Yeah, he's he's kind of focusing. I do like his relationship with uh, with the John Hurt character, Doctor Broom. Mm-hmm. His, his father son relationship they have, and how just how devastated Hellboy is when he dies. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. I mean, John Hurt's yeah. so good, such a good oh, actor. Yeah. yeah, so that helps yeah. a lot. Yeah, I kind of said. The Abe, the, the amphibian, he just, he seems to kind of disappear in the third act because he, he doesn't come along on the, on the last, on the last fight after the climax. That's he's, true. He's, he stays in the lab and so he's just, he's just kind of forgotten about. That is true. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he, maybe it was slightly a tiny bit distracting to have David Hyde Pierce as his voice just yeah. because I associate that, that so much with a particular kind of character and a particular kind of, uh, I don't know. I just associate that so much with Frasier and with sort of this nerdy genius kind of character. And I don't know if that was really his character here. Maybe that's not really that fair of me to do that, but, uh, but yeah, they do kind of forget about him. You're right. Yeah. He was the, uh, was he the stick insect in the bug's life as well? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he was. I do like that. Yeah. And Liz, I thought was all right. She was a bit, he, he just seemed a little bit, uh, he, she seemed quite a bit broody about her, about her powers. It's just kind of understandable because she has killed a few people by accident. And so he, but I kind it of was a little to... confusing sometimes what her powers were. Yeah. Uh, really, even Hellboy sometimes was a little confusing about what is, what is exactly that he can do? <laughs> yeah. What are exactly his powers? <laughs> Well he, say, well, he seems to have a particular strength in his right hand, the right hand of doom, I think it's called. Yeah. And he, he and he's higher proof as well because he comes from hell. Well, and there's times when it seems like there's also electricity kind of mm. coming from him. And right. I don't know. You can kind of see that. Yeah. I'm not sure who, what are Liz's powers? She's got like that. Yeah, I see. Maybe she can make she can make fire, but just doesn't seem to have any kind of control over it. Yeah. Like she said, she just basically sets off sets off explosions when she gets stressed. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty small cast for this kind of a movie. It's, it's it is. Yeah. I mean, really, the, it's really only a handful of characters, and even the 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 fight scenes seem pretty small, as far as you know. It's usually just Hellboy. And maybe one other character and fighting these monsters. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to like a big Avengers kind of thing, you know, with like tons of, uh, that compared to a Marvel movie, it felt, uh, pretty, pretty yeah. small. 
Because it seems like Hellboy is the only one who really has a, a chance against these monsters. Yeah. Whereas, whereas you get all these anonymous agents who you can, you can kind of predict are going to get killed. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So uh, did you think the movie had the right tone? Yeah. Think the tone worked. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Like, it's the kind of movie that I think that uh, Tim Burton would have ruined. So I think that Guillermo del Toro does a really good job of keeping it kind of keeping that creepy feel that you get in early Tim Burton films, uh, but still having, having some humor, but also uh, keeping it, keeping a humanity, keeping a warmth to it that I think Gimelchor is good at doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, I think that he does a good job managing tone. Yeah. Del Del Toro, he was the director of Pan's Labyrinth as well, wasn't he? Yeah. You can and, see the and Pacific style. Rim. Yeah. I, I think it, right. the similar to Pacific Rim, you can really see. Hmm. Obviously, that was made after this, but... Yeah. But yeah, but yeah I can definitely see the similarities between this and Pan's Labyrinth, particularly the effects and the, the freakiness. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a lot darker. Yeah. I think, than this. Yeah. yeah. But I think he... I, he also, I kind of felt there was, there was generally quite a good blend of... Um, a good blend of darkness and a little bit of humor, like he, like Hellboy provides a lot of the humor with his attitude and all, and that like scene where he goes spying on Liz and Myers. Yeah, and I that, agree. And then, and then sometimes you, but sometimes it's a little bit giant when he goes straight back to these these dark moments, like the professor getting killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think, yeah, but I think it for the most part, it's just not like. Uh, I don't know. Like if 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 you compare it to like the current Burton films or the current Zack Snyder films, you know, where it's like sort of darkness for darkness sake kind of it feels like, or yeah. it's sort of style or substance. Like, I feel like this has like, I think, I think Del Toro does a much better job than either of those two directors, recent films hmm. of sort of making it dark in interesting ways yeah. and making it, but still making it sort of palatable and interesting. And you like yeah. the characters. Yeah. There is definitely style and substance here. It looks great. Yeah, the, the look kind of fits the subject matter because I don't really know that much about the comics. Right, and uh, he and you do. You're right. You do warm to the characters and you care about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so did you think the uh, the villains were effective? I like. I kind of almost done without the the like human it, or uh, the. Uh, I could have done. I could have had just monsters. Hmm. Personally. Because I, I don't know. I feel like that those were the most fun scenes and the most enjoyable scenes, and yeah. and you got like that the one with like the the, the eggs, and that was really creepy, and mm. and uh, so I don't know. When it gets to any kind of other villains, it, it didn't do as much for me as the, yeah. the monsters I liked. Yeah. The guy in the um, the guy in like the uh, the clockwork suit, where the guy makes the clockwork noise as he runs and wears the mask. Did you uh, did you feel he counted as a as more of a monster because he wasn't really a, a properly human character. Yeah. Yeah. He was probably uh, more, I, my favorite were like the, the more of the sort of the creatures, like the slimy kind of the hellhounds. I think they're called. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. With the, like they said, with the eggs, that was a creepy moment. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that was more my cup of tea. Yeah. This. Yeah. But what did you think? Well, I did think, um, I don't think Ras- when they used Rasputin, it wasn't really a great, 
villain because there just seems there's not that much to him and it just feels yeah. like with Rasputin you kind of you, there's kind of more potential there but they just don't give him much screen time and then there's the fact that he wants to destroy the world and as in many other films you think why would you why do you want to destroy the world right yeah. what, what do you what do you get out of that right exactly yeah. he, talk, he talks about like creating a new Eden but it's hard to make an Eden out of a wasteland yeah. 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 Okay. I could have. Yeah. Rasputin didn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree with what, everything, yeah. what you said. I mean, I mean, it's an interesting idea to use Rasputin because he has this kind of, he, as, as a historical figure, he has some kind of dark ideas attached to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But it's just, uh, they, they just didn't really use him enough. But I found, the, I felt the most interesting of the, the baddies was, I think his name was Carl Cronin, the, the guy with the mask. Mm. It, he just comes across as this very dangerous character. I like how you kind of gradually get an idea of what he's like. Uh, I, mean, when he, I mean, when I first see him walking around with his, his sort of clockwork noise, I kind of wonder if, he's, if there's any human in there at all. And then you see him with his goggles up, and you can see his eyes are, are kind of fixed like that. Well, and, and he this does get pretty close, I think, to an R-rated movie. Like, there is a lot of, a lot of carnage. A lot of people die. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just must have been very careful about the whole blood thing. Uh, but uh, the he he really is pretty menacing. He, yeah. he, he kills a lot of people. Yeah, and then eventually you do see his his mask off, and you see he's got no eyelids and no and no lips. Mm-hmm. So so his face is pretty much expressionless. Yeah, yeah. that was that, that yeah, was pretty he, good. I liked him. He was good. Yeah, he yeah. was good. He was good. Yeah. So. yeah. So he and. And also the fact that they were trying to bring these, uh, these, these sort of gods through, these kind of Cthulhu looking things. But uh, he didn't really know that much about them either. He just knew there was this, this big, this big threat that had to be stopped. Mm. That's true. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess in a movie like this, I, I think it becomes kind of simple. It's to me, it's just this, it's just a, superhero fighting monsters and that's fun yeah. to me yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's not not especially ambitious yeah agreed yeah, yeah. and i can see why because uh i haven't seen the second movie but it, when gilmore Toro wanted to do a third hellboy movie he was saying that he wanted a budget of like 250 million dollars and they were saying you're crazy we're never yeah. going to give you that but i can kind of see why a little bit? I mean, this had a small budget, $66 million, uh, which is impressive for how, how much, what they were able to do with that small budget. But I can kind of see why, because I feel like there are parts of this that feel kind of small. And for a third movie, why you'd want to kind of be big, I guess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it does feel like kind of a, in some ways, a bit of a smaller scale than the than, yeah, than most of like, yeah, like most of it is just in like uh, sort of office buildings or like or sort of basement, you know, kind of things. Like it's not there's no sense of like grandeur as far as the the visuals. I don't think in this yeah. movie for a typical Ghibli Toro movie, especially. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. You say its budget was sixty six million dollars and it made ninety nine point three million dollars. Yeah, and, and I so think. I think it did better overseas. Hmm. Um, Is that I, just the U.S. budget? Um, maybe not. I don't know. Or maybe it's the the second one that did better. Yeah. You're 
No, you're right. Worldwide total, 99, 99 oh, yeah. million. Oh, right, yeah, so that is, that is technically a profit. I don't, I'm not sure how much the marketing would have cost. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's almost su- surprising they got a second one, actually. Yeah, so, I know, yeah, so they did get a sequel, but it's a bit of a shame, really, that we haven't had a third one, because the second one does kind of end on so kind of suggesting that there would be another film after that. There is some kind of ongoing story there. So it's a bit of a shame that there wasn't a third one. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of interesting for me because I watched this the same week that I, wa- I rewatched Pacific Rim. And you can definitely get a feeling of sort of the scope of of uh, this type of monster movie for mm-hmm. Gilmore del Toro, the type of oh, yeah. the stories that he likes to tell. Yeah, well, yeah, because Pacific Rim is certainly definitely a monster movie all over, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So we, uh, he, so I already said, we've already said a little bit about the action. So is there anything else you really say about this film? Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a breath of fresh air yeah. uh, for a, a, a comic book movie, which started to feel sort of all the same. And yeah. I liked that this felt, felt a little different. Yeah. You, what would you give it out of 10 then? Um, I give it like, and I really did like Ron Perlman. I feel like we, we haven't really talked about that that much, but he was great. He was so funny. And yeah. I really felt like this was a part he was kind of born to play. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'd give it like a... Uh, I'll give it like a 7 out yeah. of 10. Yeah, I'd give it a 7. I'd give it a 7. Mm-hmm. Like, it it, was, like, it's, a, like it's, it's a good movie, but it's, a, it's not the best superhero movie out there, but it is a, yeah. it is a solid one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a solid, fun, uh, entertaining little little movie. It's not like the script isn't that great, and it doesn't have like a visual scope or whatever. Like it's it's not it's it's not like especially memorable, but it was a, an enjoyable enjoyable film to watch. Yeah, you'll have to let me know what you think of the sequel when you get around to watching it. Yeah, I will definitely. Yeah. For sure. the, the Golden Army. It's called Hellboy Two. I will definitely. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining me talk about superhero movies. I think these are two sort of refreshing uh, yeah. additions to, I guess, the superhero uh, genre. Yeah. Uh, so sort of fun to talk about them. Yeah, because they're both about the they're both about kind of these these freakish heroes that have to hide away from people, don't they? Right. So yeah. They're not different in quite a lot of ways, but they do they do have that in common. And they both have sort of a sarcastic sense of humor. I think that's, that's oh, a yeah. lot. Of, that's sort of nice. Yeah. So cool. Well, this was a lot of fun. So yeah, if anybody, if you have any ideas on what we could talk about next for his big effects, please put it in the comment section. And uh, where can people find you? Uh, my Twitter is pne richard. My I have a blog at uh, velociraptor256.wordpress.com. And they also have a uh, YouTube channel, Richard Southworth, with uh, just a few videos on there at the moment. Yeah, it's awesome. And you can find me at Smiling LDS Girl on social media. And I just posted reviews of uh, Baby Driver and uh, Spickle Me 3. So hopefully you enjoy that. And uh, we have, we'll have a review sometime either Sunday or Monday of the finale of Doctor Who uh, mm-hmm. coming up. So that should be a lot of fun with me and Jonathan. And so yeah. and it's been fun to cover. So, all right. Well, thank you very much. And we will uh, get together next month okay. for another pick. Okay. I look forward to it. <laughs>